podcasts. There are a million of them, and they're all amazing. What the hell? You are now listening to the sounds of Soul Radio, hosted by Dan Carlin. This week, the People's Rapper visits Some Guy's Podcast. We're talking working with Dr. Dre, his parallels with Batman, the school versus a professor, and finding the goddamn treadmill. You are now not in the presence of nice guys. It's an all-new episode of Soul Radio. I gotta keep the things up that uh, inspire me and motivate me. So I grew up a big comic book fan. So, you know, it helped to see the Avengers and all that. You can dig it. Are you a Marvel guy or a DC guy? If you had um, Now, here's the thing, all right? There's an intricate answer for that. So my favorite hero in universe is Batman. So obviously that's DC. So I'm okay. a Batman, but as far as the entire like universe itself, I'm a Marvel guy. Like I think the only DC character I like is Batman. Why Batman though? Because I find a lot of similarities between our stories. You know, you got this person who just wants to do the right thing because it's the right thing to do, who honestly is in a position in life and he doesn't have to, but he assumes this other persona because as his regular persona, people will kind of just bypass him. But if he takes on this other persona, he can make an impact. And that's how I look at Jan Freeman and John Connor. As Jan Freeman, the regular person, I can only do so much, but as John Connor, the artist, I can help in so many more way so I find a lot of similarities between me and Bruce Wayne in that way it's interesting you mentioned that alongside you know taking on the personalities of other people uh you have three projects I can think of where you incorporate the beats of other other artists it was that uh does that have something to do with why you made that decision um you know what the best in the world tapes that I did well, and that I'm still doing because I got another one coming out. It's more so me just letting the people know that no matter how you know big I get or what type of notoriety I have, I'm still a fan of hip hop. And it was me paying homage and showing love to Jay-Z, to Biggie, to uh, Eminem, um, and to Kanye West, who are the tapes that I did before. And it was just me just showing the people, like, I'm still a fan of hip hop. No matter what accomplishments I have, I wouldn't be the artist that I am if it wasn't for these great people coming before me. So that's just kind of my way of giving back to the fans in a certain way and giving back to those that inspired me. Who were you listening to before you made the decision to rap on your own? Uh, uh, who was I listening to? My sister was playing a lot of Biggie, Pac, Boss, Outkast. But me personally, what resonated with me was I grew up a big fan of Southern hip hop. You know, for okay. me, it was it was No Limit, Cash Money, uh, Three Six Mafia. Um, I also was listening to, but I also dug East Coast hip hop when I got a little older and I started getting into lyricism. So I was listening to Jay-Z, Nas. I was listening to a lot of Noriega. I was listening to uh, The Locks. I was listening to, man, it goes on and on and on, man. But those are just something to name a few. That's the nice thing about growing up in the Midwest. Like you're from Flint. I'm actually out here in Chicago right now, born and raised. Mm. And the nice thing about growing up in the Midwest, hip hop wise, is that you get like a little bit of everything. Absolutely. You're not biased toward one side. You can be a little more objective. Absolutely. I was just saying that uh, in an interview yesterday that, you know, in the Midwest, we hear everything. We have no bias. We got an appreciation for every type of sound. So absolutely. Most definitely. Um, You, you know, you mentioned doing, uh, 
a project that was based on Eminem's work, which, you know, a little bit later, you were signed to Aftermath for a while. How surreal was that shit? Just like (laughs) in general. It was crazy, man. Like, it was funny. Like, because when I was first starting off, or when I first started getting a little notoriety and attention, I thought that I would run into Eminem long before I ran into Dr. Dre. You know what I'm saying? Right. Because, you know, I'm in Michigan and I'm thinking, you know, uh, Flint and Detroit are only like 45 minutes to an hour away. Also, I ended up having a relationship with um, Mr. Porter. That's my big brother, man. Denon Porter from D12. Yes. And Royce the Five Nine and Kid Vicious. You know what I'm saying? So my ties in Detroit Especially like, you know, that's Eminem's direct crew. So I'm thinking, oh, for sure. yeah, I'm thinking like, man, I'm probably going to meet him. And then it's crazy that it ended up happening that I ended up linking with Dre long before I, I crossed paths with Eminem. So it was just a, it was a crazy thing because it wasn't something that um, I could see how it would happen. You know what I mean? But it was a beautiful thing. Like, it was dope. Like, I, I was at the time that that happened, I was just ready for that next step and that next level, man. And Dre and me just hit it off so, you know what I'm saying, so authentically and genuine when we first met just as people before we even got in the studio that, man, any anxiety or nervousness that I would have had, it went away because the vibes were so authentic, man. Did M ever say anything about the uh, People's Rapper LP? Nah, nah, we never got a chance to talk about <laughs> that. Nah, nah. What was that uh, first meeting with Dre like? Um, we was at this restaurant called uh, Katana on on uh, Sunset Boulevard in L.A. Okay, and um, the first meeting was real cool because I think it was it was a, it was a little um, awkwardness at first because you just you know it's two people just getting a chance to meet each other and obviously it was like you know we knew what we was there for but it's also that moment where you're trying to figure out who somebody is and how to relate to them and how to talk to them and I remember uh at the time uh my my partner at the time Mo Cleves he was hitting me and whispering in my ear like man you better say something to him you know what I'm saying (laughs) so it was like, but for me, it was like, you know, what exactly am I supposed to say? This Dr. Dre is so much history and lineage and, and just so much that comes along with that. It's like, you know, what do you say? Like, how do you start that conversation? But it's once like we running did, up on Batman. Huh? I said it's like running up on Batman. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, man. So, but it was cool because once we started talking, it was just two cats who had uh, genuine love for music and just wanted to make some dope music together. And I remember, um, and it's crazy because I talk about this on, um, I got a docu-series coming out called The Road to Legendary, where the first day that I met Dre and the first time that I rapped for him, we have it on camera and it's a part of the documentary. So people are going to get a chance to see that. But I remember he just asked me like, what do you want out of this? And my answer was to give people in Flint hope. And so after that, he was like, yo, Let's go to my crib. I, I need to hear you spit. And then after that, I start spitting rhyme after rhyme after rhyme. And after that, the rest was history, man. So it was a beautiful thing from the word go, man. And you were featured on uh, what wound up being my favorite song on the Compton album, uh, One Shot, One Kill. Word. Okay. Thank you. Thank Which, you. Like, you were, like, you were great on it. And in addition to that, like, you never hear angry Snoop Dogg anymore. Yeah. That was like a rare appearance of Angry Snoop. And I was like, it made me really happy to hear that. What was making that song like? Um, We started making uh, One Shot, One Kill 
in Hawaii. We had went to Hawaii just because uh, sometimes Dre liked to record out there. And so the whole team went to Hawaii and it was beautiful vibes. That was my first time ever going to Hawaii. And I'm I'm seeing indigo water and peach skies and purple. Oh shit. Oh, yeah, like it was crazy. You know what I mean? And, and I'm you know, I'm just setting the environment for you. And it Come was on. just dope. Like every <laughs> every night, man, having the personal chefs barbecue and cook up something crazy while you going in and out the studio. You know, it was my first time ever being around that type of environment. So I was just and then you got to think, you know, we we did One Shot, One Kill um, in 2014. So this is when I first got there. I'm super hungry. I want to prove myself. And it was one of those late nights in the studio. I remember, shout outs to Focus. Focus was chopping up the sample. And Dre was behind the uh, the console. And he like, okay, we need to work on that. He like, John, you, you got something in you? Because it's like 2 o'clock in the morning at this point. So I'm like, yeah, whatever he throw on, I was going to do it. So... Did you know you were going to be on the song up to this point or like, did you know beforehand or was this just like a, Hey, you want to, you want to try this well, out? Yeah. Like the way things kind of, you know, go at my, during my tenure at Aftermath, it was let's all get in the room and what, wherever the energy is, that's where we going to go. It was like, it was never nothing that was too planned out. You know what I'm saying? Okay. It was like, you know, we're going to start on some music. Who's ever in the room at the time. Uh, so, you know, start writing, start doing what you do, and then that'll be the direction that the record goes in. So, you know, I'm going, I'm writing, I'm writing, me and Dre sitting there, and he like, yo, this is going to be crazy. I laid my verse down that night, but the crazy part about that was, uh, and this is probably an exclusive that people, I ain't never said this in an interview before, so um, One Shot, One Kill was originally supposed to be me and Dre. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, it was supposed to be me and Dre. So then when we were working on Compton, I remember him hitting me up like, yo, John, come to the studio. I come to the studio. He like, I got a surprise for you. So he play, he play uh, what the record that was to become One Shot, One Kill. I hear Snoop Dogg open up. I'm like, yo, this is crazy. So it was, it was dope, man. It was super dope, man. Just the whole experience of making that record was dope. Watching, you know, how Dre works as a producer from how he, you know what I'm saying, uh, got the whole entire beat together from Focus chopping that sample up, then to me laying the, me and him writing that together and then Snoop ending up coming on to it. And, and right. one of the coolest parts about it, not to get too long-winded, but it's only three Dr. Dre albums and I got a song on there. Like that song on the credit says, John Connor featuring, Snoop Dogg so that's something that I hold near and dear to my heart that I got a I actually solo track. I learned that the other day because I was looking for it on my phone uh, and I couldn't find it under the Dr. Dre name I was like where the fuck did the song go yeah yeah I was like oh there it is but um was yeah. it originally intended for detox and then that kind of like it there was a rework after that uh the song one shot one kill yeah um this, I'm going to keep it all the way real. By the time I got to Aftermath, the idea of detox was already dead. Got you know it. what I'm saying? Like, by the time I got there, it was, you know, anything we working on is for something completely different. Like, you mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? It was like, you know, the phrase detox was is dead was said a lot, like, during my time uh, at Aftermath. So and sure. when I got there, everything was for this new thing, whatever that was going to be. It wasn't necessarily called Compton yet, but we knew that we was working on something that was not detox. You know, um, you know back in Michigan, or, you know, in Michigan, you have been working 
a lot, you know, using your platform to bring awareness to uh, the water problem out in Flint. Um, do you think as an artist with, you know, notoriety and popularity that it is one's responsibility to create change where they came from? Absolutely, because then what's the point of the success and notoriety if that's not what you're doing with it? I've never been an uh, ego person. I'm not that type of dude. Um, so for me, it's like any notoriety that I get from anything I do with music is for us to talk about issues that matter for the everyday person or or else what else are you doing it for? You know, that's kind of corny to just kind to just do it, to give yourself pats on the back. That's silly, you know what I mean? So right. it's like, for me, it is my responsibility to talk about what's going on in Flint and to talk about the fact that, you know, think about it, the world is going through COVID. So Flint's going through COVID and we have the water crisis. That's two issues on top of each other. We have a pandemic where it's important to stay as clean as you can, but in Flint, the water is actually killing people or affecting people and making people sick as well. So it's like, where do you turn if you in Flint? So, you know, I ask any and everybody to, to send, keep us in your prayers and keep the world in your prayers. But it's like in a time where you need water to stay safe and our water is still actually poisonous, you know, we, we need that extra little bit of prayer as well. What has your day-to-day -day been like since the pandemic begun back in March? Um, just trying to stay focused and stay positive, you know, making music so that I don't, fall into a negative space. I try not to watch the news because mm -hmm. I do feel like there's a negative narrative that's constantly pumped that if you're not careful, if you watch too much of the news, you can start to become defeated. You can start feeling, you know, like it's hopeless, but there's always hope. So for me, it's I want to do my part to keep everything positive and keep people with hope and keep them with light. So the only way I can do that is through the music. So I wake up every day. I, I get my little uh, six, seven miles in on my treadmill. I don't know if you can see go. it. It's back there somewhere. But uh, yeah, the treadmill. I uh, believe you. Oh, there it is. I yeah, found there it. it is. Yeah, right there. So, you know what I mean? So <laughs> I come down here, man. I get on the treadmill, run my six, seven miles, eat my little dinner, lunch, get right on the mic, uh, say something positive to my, my followers that on my social media platforms, man, just to keep them in a good space. And then I get back to creating because I think that right now, more than anything, everybody should be using whatever their talents are, whatever their gifts are to keep humanity in a positive space all around. Definitely. Do you find that harder as a creative when you're kind of in the same spot every single day? Um, for, for me, no. Um, just because creating for me is a, is a spiritual thing. So as long as the spirit is in me, man, and it's going to follow me wherever I go, I could be in a cave and still be able to create, man. There you go. There you yeah. go. Yeah, because like I remember when the pandemic started, I was like, all right, I'm going to focus on my podcast. I'm going to do, you know, my photography. And then I just like I watched a bunch of shows for a couple of months and it's like, oh, shit, it's October now. <laughs> right. I got like that for a couple of days, man. I was binge watching. Oh, I was binge watching Fear Factor. You remember the show Fear Factor? Oh, yeah, with, with Joe, Joe Rogan. Rogan. Absolutely. Joe Rogan. Bruh, I don't know why, but like the first two weeks of COVID, I was watching Fear Factor back to back to back. And I'm like, I got to snap out of this, man. I got to get back to creating, man. Oh, dude, I just started watching Catfish. That shit is crazy. Crazy, ain't it? 
Like, Catfish is crazy. Like I, I like I, I wonder about those people, man. Like um, I, I pray for them because that's right. it, that's it's kind of weird. It's a little weird. Like, what is their end game half of the time? Like, what do you what are you trying to accomplish? And how long do you think you're actually gonna get away with that shit? Like, how do you really envision this going down? Because you know clearly. You got to meet the person one day. You can't you can't do this forever. And, you know, I yeah. don't know. It's just weird, man. God bless them. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully they're getting the help they need. <laughs> facts, man. Facts. So, uh, fun fact. The first time I heard anything that you had put out, it was, like, almost a fucking decade ago. Mm-hmm. And it was, like, it was on one of those shows on Shade 45, maybe. It was, like, the that showcase Slay did. Mm-hmm. And it was your freestyle over uh, John Legend's Another Again. Hey! Which is, it's still saved to one of my hard drives. I can't find it on YouTube anymore. But, like, that is what got me in you, ultimately, because you took that instrumental that's, like, before it was, like, this beautiful ballad, and you turned it into this, like, you know, grassroots hip-hop type of freestyle. Um... What is your favorite instrumental out of everything that you've done a freestyle over that you've done? Bro, I'm not even going to hold you up. I'm not. I swear, this is no gas, no cap, no nothing. Go on. The, the joint that you just brought up. And no nobody shit. nobody ever brings that freestyle up. So the fact that you just did is crazy. That's well, when I said... The flow make them gaga, Alejandro. I believe that's the, uh, yeah, it was. Uh, man, damn, I'm trying to remember what else I said on that. Cause it was you, so you, uh, I'm getting blowjobs like I filled out an application. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's the line I remembered, and it always pops into my head when I'm, like, looking for a part-time job. <laughs> Yo, but that that right there, bro, I, I, that's crazy that you brought that one up. That's one of my favorites. Oh, yeah. Keeping no, it all that, that line is going to be like the last thing I remember when my brain has been ravaged by time and Alzheimer's. <laughs> Thank you, man. Like when I'm getting blowjobs, like I fill out. What'd you say, Grandpa? <laughs> I thank you for that, man, because. Like I said, I did, like, during 2011, 2012, I did so many freestyles, bro. So it's like, for you to pinpoint that one and bring that one up, that's crazy because that was always one of my favorites, but I felt like it was overlooked because I was putting out so many at the time. Well, it it was good timing because, like, I heard that for the first time, and then, you know, the, the People's Rapper LP showed up on, like, Rap Radar a couple days later, maybe. Mm hmm mm hmm Yes, indeed. Yes, and indeed. And so I was. Um, plus, uh, we uh, we share a mutual friend in Mark Bird. What up, Mark? Mark Bird. That's what's okay. Chicago. Yeah, yeah. Mark Bird. That's my yeah, bro. I, I knew I was, him. I met him back in like '08 or '09. Um, you know, uh, before this, I was a, a photographer. I still do that, but uh, mm-hmm. I did a couple of shoots with the group he was with, the freshmen back in the day. Yes. And so that's all those crazy. like old those old like black and white photos of him uh with his group and he's like 70 pounds heavier than he is yeah, now that, yeah. that that shit was me that's crazy that's my man's me and bird was just talking uh yesterday uh he was on the, uh he was making some beats like he, he made a couple uh joints for sos part two so just so y'all know sos two mark bird got a couple on there 
What up, Mark? What up, Mark? No, he is an insane producer. Insane, insane. His time coming. for that it's... project where it's just all Jodeci samples, but like... Right. <laughs> and it's like, I'm, I want to be one of the first to say it. His time is, is coming, like as far as like Mark Bird being one of those go-to people in hip hop that if you need if you need your album saved, if you need that extra boost on your project, Mark Bird is going to be that go-to guy. I feel like in 2021 like like a lot of it's about to be a lot of attention on Mark Bird, I feel. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm glad he you know, his work on that uh on that last Rhapsody album was like some of mm-hmm. the best shit I've ever heard him do. Crazy. Crazy. I can't wait till y'all hear the joint that like the joints he got on SOS two is kind of crazy. So I can't wait for you to hear. Tell me, uh, tell me about SOS two. What is your process in making that been like? Um, SOS two honestly is me getting back to that consistency of you know how when I first uh, when I was first getting into the game like that 2011, 12, 13 of just getting back in that groove of giving people stuff every two, three months. And SOS2 is going to be the beginning of that. At the top of the year, I want to give y'all a, uh, another Best in the World tape. We're going to do Best in the World Nas. I'm, that's Ooh. another, uh, yeah, so it's called The End Tape. John Connor, Best in the World, The End Tape is going to come. Then after that, you got SOS2. And this SOS series is honestly, the way I look at it is everything that people want to know or were wondering about during that that five-year time period that I was signed to a major where I couldn't just release music back to back to back like that. So I'm going to be back giving people, you know, that music every two, three months and answering the questions that they wanted to know from that time period where it was I, was, I wasn't um, as, as vocal as I had been in the past. What led to your decision to part with Aftermath? Uh, say that again? What uh, led to your decision to part with Aftermath? Well, I think that it was, I always tell people, for me, man, Aftermath for me was just like high school or college. You know what I'm saying? I got to learn and study under one of the greatest of all time, you know, mm-hmm. but there's a system that major labels have. And I feel like I'm a, first of all, I'm an Aries. So it's like, I'm not really the type of dude that could just sit still. And I think that uh, major labels have a certain way of doing things and a system of doing things. And once you sign a contract, you submit yourself to that way of doing things. And for me, I'm an indie guy at heart. I like to be in control of my own destiny. I like to be able to really, if I, if I make a song tonight, I want to be able to put it out tomorrow. And a lot of times, you know, a lot of times when you're on a major um, those decisions aren't in your hands. So I think, you know what I'm saying? Like me and Dre, we actually talked like uh, last month, I believe it was. So mm-hmm. it's like, it's all good. Like it's all love. That's my sure. dog. Like I, I, like I said, there is so much that me and him, um, that me and him been through and so much that he taught me like from a mentor pupil standpoint, it, that is crazy. So I'm always grateful for my time spent there. I just think that the structure of me, I would never sign to any major label. So it's not just specifically aftermath Interscope. It's just me as a human. I don't know that I'm meant to be tied down under a corporate structure. Yeah. Like you left the school, not the professor. Exactly, exactly. Bro, that's the best way I ever heard it put. Absolutely. I mean, I, hey, I'm, I'm glad, uh, glad I'm bringing some good insights today. I, I like yeah. how this is going. Mm-hmm. Also, if you're going to do a Nas tape, you got to do something over Still Dreaming. That's my one thing. 
I got you. I got you because I'm wrapping up the Nas tape now. So still dreaming. That's what you want to hear me on? Yes, sir. I got. Come on, man. I'm the people's rapper. Now you said it. I got to do it. Yeah, like cut like something off of hip hop is dead. That's like low key my favorite Nas album. I got you. Don't. I got you. Matter of fact, what what song you want me to do again? Still dreaming. Still dreaming. Okay, he, he, I'm it's the one he does with Kanye in like the middle of the album. I'm sending it to myself right now. Go in over still dreaming. You're a good man, sir. You're a good I, man. I, I got you. I'm, I'm seriously sending it to myself in my phone. Still dreaming. Got you. See that, ladies and gentlemen, John Connor is a man of his goddamn word. Come on, man. People's rapper, man. It ain't a gimmick, man. It's real. It'll all be more like him. It's <laughs> <laughs> love, man. What? Um, I've been asking the last few interview subjects I had. You know, we've been uh, we've been on lockdown for coming up on a year at this point. What is uh, what is the one thing? in you know regular life that you took for granted that you miss doing oh man um going to events like i i miss like whether mm. it's a wwe or aew wrestling event like you know what i'm saying whether it's doing shows like i miss that i miss the connection with the people i miss like i miss watching certain sporting events and seeing people in the audience like i'm a big w i'm a big pro wrestling fan so watching wrestling without an audience there is crazy to me you know what i'm saying and then not to be able to do shows right now is crazy to be putting out music because normally after you put out music the next step is to hit the road and go promote it and get people behind it right but now right. you can't do that so i think that's what i miss the most is just interacting with the people and being able to see the, the supporters of your music. Oh, see, mine's way dumber. I miss going to, uh, I miss going to Target, walking around aimlessly, grabbing a pair of pants, being like, no, eh, this is fine. And then like going up to the checkout aisle and then being like, you know what? I don't need these pants. I'm not paying 30 bucks for this. And then putting it where the candy belongs and walking away. Facts, man. I feel you. See, here in Michigan, like you can still go to like Walmart and Target and stuff. You just gotta have your mask on and whatever. True, true. Same over here, and just uh, I don't know. It depends on the county you're in. Like that determines what you can do out here. Like I live in Cook County, but I work in Lake County, and it like it's way less restricted where I work. So I don't know. It's complicated. Hmm. Well, hopefully, man, all of this, hopefully we return to some some degree of normality sooner than later, man. True that. You know, we're glimmer of hope with the potential new president and uh, a vaccine in the works or like, exactly. you know, being distributed now. Here's hoping. John, I want to thank you so, so much for taking the time out to be on the show. You are always welcome. I'm going to DM you my email whenever that uh, that still dreaming freestyle is done. Oh, it's it on, man. It's on, man. And yo, I appreciate you having me, man. I, I definitely always have to let you know and give people their flowers. It's like, as an independent artist, man, like it means so much to for you to share your platform, you know what I'm saying, with me and and, and to share what I do in my art and, and, and all of that and get it out to the people. I appreciate it. Because indie artists, we like without y'all, we nothing. You know what I'm saying? We don't have that big machine behind us. So any support and any like, you know what I'm saying, anything that we get, it has to come from organically the people wanting to get us out there so i just want to say thank you for real for real man hey man i've been following you since like the, the this is 50 and rap radar days so like yeah, yeah is, you got yeah. a long time fan you're talking to 
So thank you for coming on. Uh, is there anything you want to plug before we go? Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, 2021, um, we just going, like I said, we getting back to that consistency. We got the Road to Legendary docuseries. It's a five-part docuseries that actually shows my entire like journey up into this point from high school to the aftermath days to the underground years. They're going to, y'all going to get a chance to see all of that. SOS 2, um, John Connor presents Best in the World. The end tape is on the way. Um, my artist Ace Gabbana, his project Moonwater is coming after that. Then me and Ace have a joint album together called Stark Parker that's coming out. So it's just 2021. We just going to hit y'all back to back to back with more content, man. Fucking ain't right, you well. Yes, sir. All right, you have an awesome one, sir. I will talk to you soon. I'll uh, I'll hit you when it, when uh, the episode goes up. Should be today's what Wednesday. It'll go up Saturday. Hey, that's love. Well, man, be blessed and thank you so much, man. Stay safe, and I look forward to doing this again, man. When SOS Two come out, back at you, my friend. Your door is always open. Love, man. Thank you. All right, have a good one, dude. You too, man. Peace. How does this button work? I turn off the zoom well that was pretty exciting and wild wasn't it once again I want to thank John Connor for taking the time out to be on the show I would like to thank you for listening and hey if you're not sick of me yet follow me at Sewell Media on everything that is S-O-O-L Media dedicated Sewell Radio website coming soon probably January until then follow me Subscribe to my YouTube. Throw a subscription at my OnlyFans. Add me, uh, add me on Friendster. <sighs> Regardless. Until next time, may the road rise up to meet you, motherfuckers. I'm out. Good night.